You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Take your Bibles, if you will. We're looking at 1 Peter chapter number 3. 1 Peter chapter number 3. And if you're able, if you could please stand in honor of the reading of the Word of God. And I just want to say publicly tonight that I'm thankful for my pastor. And uh, if you didn't hear the message this morning or you were dozing or sleeping or snoozing, you owe it to yourself to go back and listen to the message. And I'm glad that we have a man of God that will stand behind the pulpit and preach the Word of God and tell us how it is. Amen. And uh, you can't find that everywhere. And I'm so thankful for our pastor and for his stance. First Peter chapter number 3 and we'll begin reading in verse number 8. The Bible says, Finally, be all of one mind, having compassion one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil, or railing for railing, but contrawise blessing, knowing that ye are thereunto called, that ye should inherit a blessing. Verse number 10. For he that will love life and see good days... Let him refrain his tongue from evil, and his lips that they speak no guile. Let him eschew evil and do good. Let him seek peace and ensue it. For the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you, and we come before you tonight. We have been already so blessed with the singing, the specials, the congregational, uh, getting to hear from our dear missionaries. And I thank you for the privilege that we have to be in church tonight. I thank you for those in the sound booth and the radio room. I thank you for our nursery workers, and children's workers. I thank you for uh, every person who's had a part in the ministry here today. I thank you for those who uh, cannot be here, but they're at home and they have prayed for the services. They have prayed for our church. They've prayed for uh, the, the teaching and preaching of your word today. And I pray now that you'd help us not to miss what you have for us. Lord, we have the word of God. Uh, in front of us. And we have the answer to every problem we face. And we've got uh, the help that we need. Help us not to ignore it. Help us not to tune it out, but help us to apply it to our lives tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We have, for the last few Sunday nights, we've covered uh, 1 Peter 3. The first night, I kind of talked to the husbands about verse number seven of husbands dwell with your wives according to knowledge and give honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. Last week, we talked about wives and their responsibility to God in the area of being in subjection and being in submission. And tonight, I'd like to speak on um, this passage that Brother Dan just read for us on helps for the home. And truthfully, these are helps for all relationships uh, I'm very burdened uh, for our homes, and I, I don't think you have to look very far to realize that our homes are in trouble. Uh, when you, when you, we have our, our bus ministry, and we have our outreach, and we have Kids Crusade, and we have Teen Spectacular, and you know, there are very few homes anymore where there is a father and a mother in the home. And can I tell you, we as God's people, we ought to work so hard. Uh, to have the marriage that God wants us to have, to have the family relations that we ought to have. 
And we can't treat the family as just an extra or, you know, when I get time. But we've got to put some effort into our homes and into our marriages. And I'd like to share some thoughts tonight from the Word of God on how we can be helped in the home. These verses in uh, 1 Peter 3 deal with several different relationships. We see in chapter 2 and chapter 3, there's a relationship with your boss. And I think you could take these today and I think you could apply these to the workplace. These are relationships to government. These are relationships to government ordinances and laws. And then we see specifically in 1 Peter 3, these are uh, relationships between husbands and wives. And I think we could definitely say all family relations would be helped if we would just do what the Bible says. You see, Hollywood is not the model that you want to follow. And the, the, the co-worker that you have at the workplace who gives you all that great marriage advice, who doesn't have a marriage that's working either, that's not the way you want to go. What you want to do is you want to go to the manual. You want to go to the God who created you, He created me, He created marriage, He created the home, and follow His plan for the family. This book, 1 Peter, is written to Christians who were suffering persecution. This served as a warning in 1 Peter that although they would suffer for Christ, they could still have hope in Christ. And can I tell you, we're not experiencing persecution. I said it this morning. Now, somebody may say something rude to you or somebody may look at you funny. But can I tell you, when Peter was writing this letter, uh, people were getting their heads chopped off. And we have got it good. And we should not feel like we're martyrs. We should not feel like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to make it. We ought to be on the winning side. We ought to have the joy of the Lord and we ought to have hope in Christ. Christians could still bring glory to God through their suffering. We see that throughout the book. Suffering will come in the life of a Christian. But let me say this, suffering will come and just you can plan on it coming, but suffering should never be self inflicted. If you suffer for doing right and you suffer because of the, the world, the flesh, and the devil that's against you, that's one thing. But when we suffer, and sometimes we do suffer because we say foolish things, or we say hurtful things, or we, 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 we treat someone uh, poorly, can I tell you that is not the way it ought to be. We ought to uh, seek to have relationships with one another that are pleasing to Christ. So, Quickly, how should we interact with family? How should we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ? How can we get along with friends and neighbors and coworkers? Here is what God has to say about it. I believe this is good for teens. I believe this is good for our children. This is true for single adults, for married adults, grandparents, employers, employees, neighbors, friends, you name it. These principles will work if you'll use them. Number one, notice quickly, we must have unity. The Bible says in verse number eight, finally, be ye all of one mind. That is unity. Psalm 133, behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. There ought to be unity in the home. 
We ought to be on the same page. We've got to be going the same direction. I talked to somebody last week on the phone. Um, other than my wife, nobody in here knows who this person was. But this person talked to me about a relationship. And this person said, what do you think about this uh, possible relationship? And what I said was this. If you have two people who are not saved, one saved, one's not, I said, I do not recommend getting into a relationship because you will never be on the same page. Can two walk together except they be agreed? No. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. You've got to be on the same page. Now, this is true in the church also. This does not mean that we agree on everything. If we went around the room and we had a sit-down conversation one-on-one -on -one with everybody in this room, there is not one person in this room who would agree with me 100%. Say, what about your wife? There is not one person in this room who would agree. I had to say that. Last week I preached about submission, and she was out. And so I had to, had to get something in there today. Um, but you know the truth is? I don't always agree with myself. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes you say, why did I do that? That was foolish. Why did I make, well, it's my own fault. Nobody else's fault. But we're not always going to agree on everything. But we ought to agree as God's people. We ought to agree on the doctrines of the word of God. Those are non-negotiable. You can't, you can't build something and you can't accomplish something. And you say, yeah, I really don't believe that hell is real. Yeah, I really don't believe that Jesus was born of a virgin. Yeah, I really don't believe that uh, Jesus rose again. No, no, no. You've got to believe the doctrines and the fundamentals. That is not negotiable. However, we may not agree on everything. We may not agree on all the details. We should agree uh, 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 as much as we can, but we should always strive for unity within the church. You ought to strive for unity in the home. You ought to strive for unity at the workplace. We must have one mind be on the same page. It's true for sports. It's true for business. It's true for a country. It's true for a marriage. It's true for every walk of life. D.L. Moody was once criticized for his methods on evangelism. The man said, I don't like the way that you do it. And D.L. Moody stopped him and said, well, he said, I'm always looking for ways to improve. He said, tell me how you do it. And the man admitted that he didn't do it. He didn't have any methods. And D.L. Moody said, well, I like my methods better than I like yours, and I think I'll just keep on doing it my way. And friend, I want to tell you, we're real good sometimes at criticizing what everybody else is doing, and maybe we're not even doing anything. And may God help us to have unity, be on the same page, one mind, in a relationship, number two, quickly. We see the Bible says that we are to be of one mind, having compassion one of another. I'll use the word sympathy here. You see, if you're going to have compassion or if you're going to have sympathy on someone, you've got to take time to know that person. You've got to take time to think about what they're going through. Have you ever, you ever gotten upset with somebody and frustrated with somebody? And then later on you found out, what they're actually going through. And you thought, well, I can understand that now. I, I can see that. I'm not saying you excuse sin or excuse uh, a bad behavior, but I'm saying you ought to have sympathy. We ought to have compassion for one another. We should care for the needs of others. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Now, this is true in a church. We ought to have sympathy for one another. 
Uh, we, we ought not be so quick and so harsh and so rude. We ought to care for people. But let's take it a step further. What about in the home? You know, sometimes as husbands, we don't think about what the wife goes through. Or sometimes as wives, maybe you don't consider what the husband goes through. Or maybe sometimes the teens, uh, maybe they don't think about all that the parents are dealing with or vice versa. Again, I'm not talking about excusing bad behavior, but I'm saying just take some time to think about what somebody else is going through. Have compassion for the needs of others. Number three, love. The Bible says in verse number eight, be of one mind, have compassion one of another and love as brethren. You know, you don't always agree with your family, but you still love your family. You don't always agree with your church family, but I, I hope you always love your church family. Did you know this is an amazing concept? You can disagree with someone and still love that person. You, now, this is amazing. You can disagree with someone and not rip them to shreds on Facebook. Isn't that a novel idea? It's amazing how that works. And can I tell you, as God's people, as a church, and as families and marriages, we ought to have love for one another. Notice 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22. The Bible says, Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. That this, is, this is an automatic. This should not even be something you have to think about. You and I ought to have genuine love for the brethren, for the family of God. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. May God help us to love like we should. First Peter chapter 2, verse number 17. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. We must and we should have love for one another. We sing it sometimes around here. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. I've been washed in the fountain, cleansed by his blood, joined heirs with Jesus as we travel this side for I'm part of the family, the family of God. Love one another. You know, we talked this morning about unity and we've been talking for several weeks about love. But people ought to come to this church and people may come to this church and they may not agree with doctrine or they may disagree with something that we preach from the word of God, but nobody ought to come to this church and not feel loved. Everybody ought to feel the love of God. Everybody ought to feel a compassion. Everybody ought to feel a warmth towards that person when they come. Number three is love. Number four, the Bible says that we should be pitiful. Now, sometimes we say pitiful, and that means that we're a, we're a wreck. That's not what this word means. Verse number eight, the word pitiful literally means to have mercy or to be tender-hearted. Now, Peter is writing to the, the Christians there in the Roman Empire. And can I tell you, the Roman Empire was not known for tenderheartedness. The Roman Empire was not known for having pity. As a matter of fact, it was the opposite. The Roman Empire was known for their cruel ways and for their harsh ways and for uh, uh, their execution of people that did not agree with them. Peter says, hang on, don't let the culture rub off on you. Let Jesus Christ rub off on you. Let the tender-hearted mercy of God be a trademark in your life. Be pitiful, be tender-hearted, have mercy on people like God had mercy on you. Again, sometimes we can do well at church to be nice to people. 
Uh, we, we, we treat, we walk down the hallway and, and we say, oh, hey, so good to see you, Mackenzie. Hey, Michaela, so good to see you. And then we get home, Lacey, I told you, you know, whatever. Can I tell you, we ought to have that same tenderheartedness for our family that we would have for people at church. Or here's a better one. You walk into Food Lion and you're waving at everybody. You got on the smile, the company smile, you know. How you doing? So good to see you. It's been a long time. I remember your name. It's been so long, but I'm glad to see you. And as soon as you get in the car and as soon as you close that door, Joanna, what are you doing? Well, <clears throat> I don't do that because I'm still here to tell you about it, right? But may God help us to have a tender-hearted spirit as Christians. Where do you get that? You get it from God. You get it from Jesus rubbing off on you. Wouldn't it be great if Jesus would rub off on us a little bit more and if we'd be a whole lot more like him and a whole lot less like ourselves? We talked about it in our online Sunday school class this morning, but God extends tender mercy toward us. The creator of the universe the all-powerful, omnipotent God in heaven is tender-hearted and gentle with you and me. And praise God for that mercy. Quickly, I see number five, we should be friendly. The Bible says here in verse number eight that we are to be courteous. A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. Uh, I, I love our church. I'll tell you, I think it's one of the friendliest churches I've ever been in, and I hope it stays that way. And I hope we continue to work at being friendly and kind. We ought to be kind to one another. We ought to be friendly to people who are not even friendly to us. Now, if someone's rude to me, someone cuts me off in traffic, someone is driving down the road, going 25 miles an hour in a 45-mile-an-hour zone. Friendliness is not the first word that I think of. But can I tell you, God wants us and God commands us to be courteous. I know I'm stepping on some toes right now because some of us throw our Christianity out when we get in the, behind the driver's seat. But can I tell you this, we ought to be courteous, we ought to be friendly, we ought to be kind, even to those who are not friendly in return. Number six, notice quickly our reaction to people. Sometimes we do really well until someone treats us poorly, and all of a sudden the claws come out. The Bible says not rendering evil for evil, verse 9. That word render means to repay or to return. Some people return evil for good. You do good to some people, and you know what they give you in return? They give you evil. Some people return good for good. Uh, I'll be good to Brother George, and he's good to me, and so that's not Christian. That's just common sense. The world will do that, right? The unsaved people will do that. But then there are some people who will return good for evil. And that's the test of Christianity. When someone does not treat you right, what's your response? I'll tell you what Jesus' response was. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. While he was being crucified, we ought to be, have a proper reaction. 
The word the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we are to follow the example of Christ who when he was reviled, he reviled not again when he suffered, he threatened not, but he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. He left it in God's hands. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3 in verse number 9 that we not render evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, we return blessing. I'll tell you, when someone does not treat you right, and it will happen, it'll happen this week. It'll happen somehow, some way, it'll be tomorrow. And by the way, it may even be a family member. It may even be a friend. And someone will be rude or someone will do something that is not kind to you. Christianity and the love of Christ will say, they don't deserve kindness in return, but that's what Jesus tells me to do to return blessing even when they have given me evil. That's what we've been called to do. That is our purpose. That is why Jesus came. Jesus came to bring blessing. He came to bring everlasting life to those who hated him, to those who were his enemies. Quickly, number seven, here's the goal, verse number 10. It says, he that will love life and see good days. That word in verse number 10 is a very interesting word, he that will live life. Did you know that loving life and seeing good days is not a matter of chance, but it's a matter of choice? You have to make the decision to say, I am going to love life. You say, I don't love my circumstances and I don't love the situation I'm in. Well, maybe not, but can I tell you, your life, if you and I, if we will look for the good and if we will look for God, we'll see it every time because God's been better to us than we deserve. What we deserve, see, I don't like my circumstances. Okay, hang on, hang on. Have you been saved? That's a really good circumstance to know that you have been passed from death unto life to know that you were destined for hell, but Jesus came and died and he, he paid the price and he saved you and now you get to go to heaven and I get to go to heaven and no matter how bad it gets down here, I want to tell you, I'm doing great. I am a blessed man. I have, been, I have been bought with a price and I can still love life and see good days no matter what you say to me, no matter what you do to hurt me. Can I tell you, you might be able to hurt my body, but nobody can hurt my soul because my soul has been saved and my soul is secure with Christ. But our goal ought to be to love life and see good days. This does not mean that you will not have problems. This does not mean that uh, everything's going to be smooth sailing, but it does mean that you can experience the goodness and the grace of God. 1 Peter 3 verses 10 through 12 is actually quoted from the book of Psalms. And I'll close with this and we'll finish the rest of this another time. But in Psalm 34, the Bible says in verse 12, What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days that he may see good? Let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. His ears are open unto their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. 
Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.